Hello, and welcome to the season one finale of A Thousand Shades of Green, a literature podcast celebrating contemporary poets and writers. I'm Susan Richardson, your host and author of the poetry collections Things My Mother Left Behind from Potter's Grove Press and Tiger Lily, an ecrastic collaboration with Jane Cornwell, published by JC Studio Press. I also write the blog Stories from the Edge of Blindness. I want to start this episode by saying thank you to everyone who's listened to this first season of A Thousand Shades of Green. I've received so much support and such lovely feedback, and I'm incredibly grateful. A Thousand Shades of Green wouldn't exist without the exceptional writers who allowed me to share their work with you this season. Thank you so much, Samantha, Lawrence, Steve, Robin, Damien, Suzanne, and Anique for trusting me with your words. For today's episode, I wanted to read pieces with a wintry feeling. Wintry, of course, meaning, well, anything a writer wants it to mean. Herein lies just one of the amazing things about being a writer, and of course, a reader. So for this finale episode, I've chosen one piece from each of this season's featured writers, and this first one from Samantha Terrell is called From Under Icy Waters. Floundering under brittle clarity, claustrophobic fluid surrounds. Reaching for an opening, find crumbled pieces of life left behind. Push through, grabbing a rugged rope tied to wisdom of solid oak. Pull icicle skin up onto snowy banks. Grasp the cold wet of hope. From Lawrence Moore, I've chosen a poem called Star Wars Toys for Sale. In the window of the older boy next door, an advert came and left, faster than my disappointment. It's a late December morning, and though my parents are shopping with friends, I still sneak into their room and gently shut the door. I snoop without shame where my fancy takes me, sifting through drawers and squeezing below the bed. I walk to the alcove, turn the key, and open the cupboard to find them all in their glory, heroes and villains propped against the Millennium Falcon, enacting their own Christmas truce under the watchful gaze of an at-at. I push away rolls of paper and climb within, closing the hanger behind me until I have just enough light to play. I become friends with one and all, even Jabba the Hutt, 
So when it comes to Christmas Day and I gaze in amazement as if they are total strangers, I will be forgiven. The third poem from Steve Denahan is called Winter Evening. Frost is everywhere, diamond dust, a glistening world. Traffic lights blink, Christmas lights twinkle, tail lights and headlights glow. People are shapes, sometimes lit, sometimes silhouettes. They move, teeming, flowing, a river of white breath and heartbeats. It is all so beautiful from far away. For this next poem, we went into the archives of Robin Denahan's work to find a poem she wrote when she was just seven years old. It's called Winter Breeze. Cold, breezy nights, colors in the sky, laughter all around us, shadows creeping everywhere. From Damien B. Donnelly, I've chosen a poem called Belief. Everything stops when snow falls. Even sound is muted, ears muffed under fine fur. Even wolves would envy. Everything mends under snowfalls. Hearts healed, singles stitched back into one solitary hole below falling flake. Everything settles after snow falls. Kings into cribs, Santa into sleigh, kids into curious, past into almost parted. Everything stops when snow falls, the bullying, breaking, losing, lying. Everything stops so belief can begin again. For the next piece, I've chosen a story from Suzanne Craig Whitehawk's second collection, At the End of It All. It's called The Woods Are Lovely, Dark, and Deep. The phone rings through a vague nightmare, jarring Claudine out of the icy landscape she's been traversing. It's Vet's mother. Hi, Claudine. Just wanted to talk to Vet for a second. Her voice is unnaturally cheerful. Oh, sorry. He's hiking. Again? You know how much he loves the winter. I'll let him know you called. She hangs up. Again? Or still? Claudine isn't sure how long Vet's been gone. He went hiking. Or hunting. She wasn't really listening. Vet said a lot of things. 
some of them nonsense, many of them hurtful, and she tried to tune him out unless it was important. Like the other day when he said he was going hiking. Or hunting. It was a relief, really. It gave her some time to breathe, to decide what to do, to tend to her wounds without him around to make things worse. He hated it when she bled. Later he called. His words were fuzzy and she had trouble deciphering them. It's broken, he said. She wasn't sure what he'd broken. She hoped it didn't hurt, not like the way her arm had hurt the day she'd burned the dinner. Later, he'd made her a sling out of old socks and comforted her, saying, Don't cry. You'll feel better tomorrow. I'm so cold, he said. She knew cold, knew the sensation of fingertips freezing, the way they did on the night he'd locked her out of the cabin. She hoped he wasn't cold like that. When he'd finally let her back in, he had a cup of hot chocolate waiting for her. Help me, he said. She remembered asking for help, too. The day the ranger had come, she'd signaled with her eyes, tried to impress her terror upon him, but the ranger and Vet had laughed and drank together. That night, Vet accused her of flirting with the ranger and put her in the basement for three days without food or water. She thinks maybe she should go out and look, so she puts on her boots she follows footsteps in the snow, unsure if they're hers or vets, but they lead her deep into the forest. Her breathing is ragged. The lung vet had punctured last spring when he smashed her ribs with a hammer, still has trouble holding air. But she perseveres, as she always does, until she comes to a crevice. There are footprints in the snow there, too, jumbled together as if two people were doing a dance dangerously close to the edge. She hesitates. Deep within the crevice, she can see Vet, his fists balled up as if trying to punch his way out. His cheeks are icy, covered with fine crystals like tears. Are they his, or are they hers? She smiles. Don't cry. You'll feel better tomorrow, she tells him. Vet doesn't answer. For once, he has nothing to say. From Anik Yerum, I've chosen another beautiful poem from her collection, St. Eisenberg and the Sunshine Bus. I am a firm believer in fairy lights, the way they offer a twinkly hope for better days, the way they cut through the fog on winter nights, illuminated landing strips sparkling my walks round the neighborhood 
an assembly of wayward, tiny stars. Ages ago, you handed me a small bundle, and on the wrapping paper you had written, Those dark corners don't stand a chance. I switched them on at night, and every time I remember how good it felt to know that every once in a while, someone will see all your darkness and help you light it up. For today's closing poem, I've chosen a piece from Tiger Lily, my ekphrastic collaboration with Jane Cornwell. It's one of two haibuns in the collection, a piece of prose finished with a haiku. It's called Winter Eyes. I have been in bed for days, hiding from the sunlight that strains against my window, awake and staring into the night sky while the city sleeps. Stars fall into my eyes and I am tranquil, curious, imagining what it would feel like to tumble from the sky, weightless and free from pain. I weave myself into nightfall, embrace the silence beneath the safety of a heavy wool blanket dream of disappearing into the mouth of the moon. I wonder if I will be missed. Stars bloom in silence, fall like diamonds from the sky, burn through winter eyes. Thank you so much for joining me for the first season of A Thousand Shades of Green, celebrating the writing of Samantha Terrell, Lawrence Moore, Steve Denahan, Robin Denahan, Damian B. Donnelly, Suzanne Craig Whitehawk, and Anique Yerum. It has been my privilege to read their beautiful work this season. You can find out more about each of them on my website, floweringink.com. We will be returning for a second season of A Thousand Shades of Green at the end of January 2024, and I can't wait to share the words of another group of incredible writers. A Thousand Shades of Green was created and presented by me, Susan Richardson, all artwork was created by Jane Cornwell. A Thousand Shades of Green is produced by Joe Richardson.